0: Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hi, everyone. We're back. It's We're starting Season 3. We ended Season 2 with Star Trek 2, so we figured we'd begin Season 3 with Star Trek 3.
1: Yes, the um, the uh, the lesser-liked brother, I guess, of this uh, two-story arc.
0: Well, this is the one that, you know, because the, the, the cliché was always... The even, the even numbered Star Treks are the good ones, and the odd ones are the bad ones.
1: And that's basically true,
0: though. Well, but this isn't a bad movie. I mean, the the even number ones are better. No,
1: no, and and really, uh, neither is um neither is a uh, motion picture. But I mean, when you compare them against to the even number ones, especially Khan and and uh, Voyage Home, like you you could see why people have that uh, distinction. Yes
0: but this is definitely you know it's it's a companion piece to star trek show
1: for sure and it's the most enjoyable odd numbered one uh, for me anyway by by, yes. by a long by a long shot
0: i would say the only thing that this movie really has against it is that it just it doesn't quite stand on its own it really is a second part to you know star trek the wrath of khan stands on its own as a single picture, whereas this one kind of relies on what happened before.
1: And the weird part about that, too, is that they rely heavily on what happened before, as you would expect, because they're searching for Spock, and they rehash the end, or part of the end, of uh, Khan, but never mention Khan or anything that really happened that led up to that point.
0: True, but that's not what's important to this story. No, no, I just thought it was kind of weird. This story is about the search for Spock. Who they find. It's not so much even the search for Spock is like. No, they find him pretty quick. Let's let's get Spock. Because, you know, it's one of those things where. Yeah,
1: right. Like Spock. Yeah. We have to go, go look for. Sp- yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Even in the original series, Spock was always very private about the Vulcan ways and what goes on with, with Vulcan and their beliefs. You know it was kind of caused them trouble with in the episode uh, a mark time and this you know it, it's kind of troubling again because you know as we as everybody knows at the end of Rathacon of when Spock dies they launch him into space and he lands on the Genesis planet. When they get back home and Spock's dad, ambassador Crek from Vulcan is like well why didn't you bring his body home? You know, you, you've doomed his soul to be lost for eternity. Kirk doesn't know anything about it. You know, it's obviously. Right. You know, if Kirk had known, he would have done that for his friend. But it's a, it's a good
1: question that's never answered. Now, I like your answer, which is to say, you know, hey, he was dealing with all that radiation; his body was so intensely radiated they had to shoot it off the ship. But again, it's something that they never bother to say. That it's something they never bother to explain.
0: No, but they do bring it up again when when. Uh, You know, we're going to jump ahead here, but again, we assume people have seen this classic sci-fi movie when Dr. David Marcus and Savick find Spock. One of the first things the captain of the Grissom asks is like, is there dangerous radiation? So obviously they're still assuming that Spock's body was heavily irradiated.
1: Yeah, and, you know, if you're if you're like me where you're only sort of like a tangential, say, Star Trek fan where it's mostly the movies, um, if anything. Uh, now, granted, I was younger anyway, and Khan, like I said before in the Khan episode, was kind of scary to me. So it took me a long time <clears throat> to see this. I know I certainly didn't see it until after Voyage Home. Definitely didn't see it until after I had seen Back to the Future. Um, so I'm not sure exactly when I saw this, but, like, if, if it's something you've hesitated to see... Um, because of the whole, you know, the odd movies suck and, and maybe, you know, if this movie wasn't treated maybe the best. Um, check this one out, though. It, it's worth it. It's, 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 it's not as, you know, it's not as fun, or, or maybe it's quite as engaging as Khan ended up being, but um, this one is an awful lot of fun, too, though. Uh, the, 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 um, you get some really good
0: performances out of it. Well, and not only is it, a, like I said, a companion piece slash second chapter to Khan. Correct.
1: It kind of completes that story. Too. It's
0: right in the middle of you know what will happen in Voyage Home, right, which, which is, is considered forms... a
1: trilogy essentially.
0: Yes, a trilogy within the Star Trek original cast
1: films. Right, and and what's kind of cool about them as a trilogy, though, is you kind of can watch all three separately. Although, uh, if you were to watch only Search for Spock, it's going to be a little, going to be a little bit weird. But the stories are more or less self-contained.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, like I, I, one of the things I always liked about Wrath of Khan, I'm sure I brought this up when we covered it. It doesn't feel like it's an incomplete movie. Like say, Empire Strikes Back, to me, never felt like a complete movie. Correct. No, it you can you
1: can clearly like see, yeah, it can it clearly was, see how that's a stopping point.
0: Yeah, it, it felt like there was a kind of a cliffhanger. You were left hanging. You don't feel left hanging at the end of Wrath of Khan.
1: Right. No, I, I mean, yeah, like I love I love Empire, of course, but you, you can definitely see in, in Empire where they were setting it up as the second of
0: a third. Yes. So this movie begins uh, what is probably at least a couple of weeks after Wrath of Khan has wrapped up. The Enterprise has been undergoing its long repairs and it's heading back towards Earth. And at some point between the two films, the Starship Grissom had picked up Savick and Marcus from the Enterprise. Maybe even Carol Marcus as well, because she just disappears from the film franchise without any explanation. You know, yeah, right? Yeah, she's Enterprise. just gone. She was on the Enterprise at the end of Wrathicon and she's just yeah, she's not mentioned. She's not brought up. It's all about Dave and Marcus. And they're on the Grissom heading back to study the Genesis planet. And, you know, as, you know, Kirk is still kind of mourning the loss of his friend. And let's face it, the end of what are likely to be his adventuring days, they're heading back to Spaceport when a train, one of the trainees says to Kirk, you know, is there going to be a ceremony when we return And I had asked you if you recognize the actor who played the trainee. And I did not at the time, no. No, but it is Phil Morris, who is um, probably most famous as Jackie Child from Seinfeld and a series of commercials where he's resurrected the character. But um, also you... he's currently in or uh, the Doom Patrol television series playing the um, father of Vic Stone cyborg
1: he's really good in that too and i uh know, and and i and i watched that show I'm, I'm not caught up on the fourth season but i've seen the first three i'm enjoying
0: it he's in it quite a bit too but no I, I just didn't recognize him but the more important thing is this is not his phil morris's star trek debut he was in the original series as a child in the episode Mirror. And that was another little thing that the Star Trek film series did. They actually brought a lot of actors. Sometimes they played the same characters, sometimes not. But a lot of the actors who even they even if they just had bit parts or smaller roles in the series did get to come back in in cameos in the the movies, including as we see when they get to space dock, uh, Yeoman Rand, who's you know briefly seen in the cafe watching the Enterprise come back in. She doesn't have any dialogue, but you know, you can tell she's somebody by the way the camera focuses on
1: her. Right. Right. I thought that was kind of a cool callback. It would have been good if she had some sort of line introduction, something.
0: So regardless of all this, you know, while they're um, you know, heading back to to Earth, Chekhov finds that somebody has broken into Spock's quarters. And when Kirk gets down there, you know, at first you think it's the ghost of Spock because you hear Leonard Nimoy's voice, you know, Jim, why did you leave me on Genesis? And then he he goes into the shadows and it's, you know, Dr. McCoy, who we last saw getting a brief mind meld from Spock, thereby setting up our whole plot. Spock has put his mind or essence or soul, uh, the, Vulcans, the Vulcans call it his katra, into Dr., uh, Dr. McCoy. So, unfortunately, when they get back to Earth, you know, they think McCoy's having kind of a psychological issue. But, I mean, I guess it would be a psychological issue having somebody else in your head.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's almost like um, I guess it's not like quite dissociative identity, but he's basically got a person, another personality inside him, right? Because my my vague understanding of how it all works is Spock essentially downloaded his consciousness into into McCoy um, McCoy for safekeeping. Yeah, okay, yes.
0: So you know, when they get back to Earth and and. Spock stacks front of Kirk. You would think Kirk would have been like, like you pointed out, yeah, Kirk would have been like, Oh, maybe that's what's wrong with McCoy, but instead, he's like, <laughs> right. I don't know what you're talking about. I, uh...
1: weird, Spock right? And didn't
0: make contact with me, we were separated by a barrier because he was in the radiated part of the ship,
1: right? They, um, yeah, they, uh, Sarek tries and bind meld with Kirk, and he's like, Well, it must have been you because you guys were such close friends. Logical guess. And I could understand Kirk for you know up until this point, but then yeah, he has to like think about it. it's like oh wait, you know maybe the guy he just talked to yesterday in Spock's voice saying "Take me home" could be the guy you're looking
0: for. But even then, they have to go back and like, well, let's look at the the right. They
1: have to look right there to verify. It's, uh, let's it's look at the
0: camera footage of what happened, and if you yeah. basically what they are watching is a replay of that scene from from Wrath of Khan. So it makes you wonder, like. Where are the camera security cameras on the Enterprise set up? Right. So yeah, these
1: right. dramatic shots. I'm I'm thinking they must have like a camera in every console. Like you have a webcam and everything now. Like maybe they have a camera in every console, but
0: <laughs>
1: that part just kind of stuck out to me. It's like, dude, Kirk, you just had a conversation with the creepy conversation about this with Bones yesterday. He said the exact same thing that Sarek is telling you now. Well, <laughs> let's check the tape. <laughs> okay.
0: So then it's established that, okay, you have to bring McCoy and Spock's body to Vulcan. I don't understand why they, at that point, they thought they needed Spock's body.
1: Yeah, right.
0: I mean, I guess body and mind should be reunited. But again, it's possibly part of the Vulcan belief system. But it's also kind of confusing to me because this is very metal. All this is very metaphysical for Star Trek. And you wouldn't think the Vulcans, logical beings, well, hey, no, I guess I'm just trying to putting my, my own views on religion into it, so uh, I'll leave that lie then.
1: Had this but, whole, had this whole katra, this whole ceremony, this whole concept ever been mentioned before,
0: or was it invented for this, do you know? I believe it was invented for this. Okay. I mean, they they definitely did mind melding and such during the TV series, but I don't think they ever got involved in anything this type, uh, you know. Of a, well, like of you said, it's,
1: it's more metaphysical than it is, you know, science, like it
0: tries to go with. So, while they decide what they're going to do about going and getting uh, Spock's body back, because it's also been established that, the Genesis planet, is quarantined. It's top secret. Nobody's supposed to talk about it. But apparently somebody's been talking about it because the Klingons know. And a Klingon bird of prey and its contingent, you know, including two famous eighty sitcom stars, you know, Christopher Lloyd playing Commander Kirk and uh, John Larroquette playing one of his top Klingon Lieutenants, I'm guessing, are both, you know, you got Taxi and Night Court right? represented in Star Trek. I don't think I caught
1: what Jen Larroquette's name was, but they're both. I mean, they're both. In fact, the Klingons in general are really good in this. They, you, you could argue they're played a little too comic relief at times, but I don't know. I, I, I think they're fun.
0: Yeah, they probably it was probably done to lighten up the script. Uh, and uh, we should mention that Leonard Nimoy directed this which probably helped that, you know, with Spock being essentially dead, he didn't have to appear on screen for too much of the movie. Right. For most of what we see as Spock are younger actors playing the younger regenerated Spock who is aging rapidly along with the unstable Genesis planet. So, Marcus, David Marcus and Savick, now part of the Grissom crew, studying the planet. They, of course, pick up a life form. And, you know, we all know it's Spock. You know, we we saw the trailers. We know what's coming. We know the subtitle. Well, it's the search for Spock. They don't say whether or not they find him. Anyways, they pick up the life form and they want to go down and see if it is indeed Spock. We got to go check this out. So they go down on the planet, which ends up saving their lives because sure enough, the Klingons come along and blow up the Grissom. That's um, kind of a fun. But again, going back to like
1: it's conflicting, right? Because it is objectively a fun scene, but th- that's me saying it as a fan of largely just the Star Trek movies. Like if you've been watching this show for decades, if you know, for hundreds of episodes and, and are deep within the lore, I, I don't know how well that scene works into Klingon lore. Um, cause you know, where, where Kirk is just like, you know, make sure you target their engines. Cause I want prisoners and they end up blowing up the ship and it's played almost like a, you know, hands up on the air, like whoopsie kind of deal. I enjoyed it, but, um, I don't know if that's the right tone for your, for, for like the, the fans, right? <laughs> like, I, I don't know how that was supposed to read, but you know, from a quasi fan, I
0: guess, uh, well, I enjoyed it. I- I always look at it as the Klingon gunner being a Klingon, fully intended. He wanted to blow up a staff I
1: mean, that, so, that works.
0: He disobeyed his orders, blew up the, the Enterprise, not the Enterprise, the Grissom, and was like, oh, I guess it was a lucky shot, sir. And then uh, I can see that. Own, Lust for
1: glory or whatever. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah,
0: his own little lucky shot. Right. So my favorite part of this whole movie is Kirk and company putting their whole little plan together to bust McCoy out of the medical bay and head off for Genesis. Cause at first, you know, the, one of the first things we learned too, in this movie is the enterprise is going to be decommissioned.
1: Which, Starts. which makes sense, especially when, when whoever, I forget the guy's name, but when it's pointed out, the ship is over 20 years old. Cause you figure, yeah, it's, like (laughs) it kind of makes sense just to scrap it for parts at this point
0: yes even though it has been famously the flagship of starfleet the excelsior the next big thing is apparently ready to go and they're going to assign scotty as the captain of engineering to the excelsior and we don't know the enterprise crew was all trainees so they're going to be sent to their assignments and Kirk and his command crew, well, I mean, Kirk's an admiral. He's really not supposed to be going, you know, out and about on starships. And Sulu really probably should be getting his own command up until recently. Yeah, I
1: think he'd be getting his own ship by now because didn't, no, Chekhov didn't. He was a number two. Never mind.
0: Chekhov, you know, he was probably going to go be a first officer someplace else himself. Yeah. So you know, they're all basically looking to, you know, what, what their next step is going to be anyways. So, you know, we get the scene where Kirk first is exposed, uh, approaches his superior commander officer and says, you know, I want to be able to go. He tells him what he wants to do. He wants to bring McCoy, who's got the soul of Spock in him, go find Spock and take them both to Vulcan. And the commander's like, first of all, this all seems way too weird for me. And second, Genesis is quarantined, you can't do it. And of Kirk goes, you know, well, I had to ask. I had to try. And of course, as he leaves, Sula's like, Well, what's the word? And he says, the word is no, but therefore I intend to go anyways. And check off and Sula are like, Well, we're with you, sir. And while that's happening, McCoy, who's got Spock's essentially Spock's brain inside him is trying to book his own passage to Genesis to complete whatever. He doesn't even, he doesn't even know. He's almost got like a split personality um, dissociative identity disorder going on with them now, where apparently at some point Spock is in charge. And at other points, Spock is probably just whispering to him what he needs to do. So he goes to the bar to book passage. And that's where we meet my Whip Bissell Award winner, um, the bar alien. That's what he's credited as that credited as. that he doesn't have an, an actual.
1: Yeah. He's just like, credited as like alien.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alan Miller plays him. And I just, you know, he's kind of like, he talks almost like Yoda with like a backwoods.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's very much a English. creature cantina stand in, but he does his job really well. He's a
0: fun character. His his And he holds uh, that cadence the on. whole time. Genesis? Genesis, yeah. Genesis is forbidden. Much money. Yeah, that just you know really helps sell his character for this little brief role he has. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, there's a lot of, like, you
1: can feel, even though you don't really know what it is, you can feel the backstory in the character. He plays it off that
0: well. Uh, it's an excellent choice. So, McCoy ends up being, you know, put in basically you know a break but he's going to be sent to a uh psychiatric unit and as kirk goes in to bust him out well, another one of my favorite parts is when he puts up the vulcan hand salute you know the the live wrong and yes. by, the Yeah, famous. that's a cute line he says to to dr mccoy how many fingers am i holding up and mccoy's like that's not damn funny but which i is. totally disagree with I think it, it was is pretty damn funny.
1: it was yes no it was it was a good joke it was, it was a good joke. And, um, um, again, that, that in line, like you, you would know better than I, you've certainly seen more of the show is that that felt in line with Kirk's character. No.
0: Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he always liked, you know, poking, you know, joking with McCoy and especially, yeah, it seemed. And, uh, and, um, Spock. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, because like, it's, it's, you know, I can't believe Spock did this to me. It's like his revenge for all those arguments he lost against me. Right. Like, the, the
1: guy he never seemed to mess with and for obvious good reason is, like, Scotty. Probably because Scotty, like, kept him alive. <laughs> like, he never really seemed to. But then again, I didn't watch the show that much. But, like, for as much as he he, he went on with um, Bones and, and, and Spock, he never really seemed to go that way with Scotty. Which was probably smart.
0: So... You know, the team busts McCoy out and Ahura helps them beam onto the Enterprise where they run into Scotty. And this is pretty much all we see of Ahura for yes. the, rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, it is strange, as you pointed out. And and because um, I had forgotten it had been a while since I had seen this. I had forgotten that she's really not in this. And you're right. There's no good reason for it. They could yeah, use a I... communications officer. So why not have one?
0: I tried to look to see if uh, Nichelle Nichols was doing another project and was therefore unavailable, but I couldn't. I couldn't find any reason for Ahura to have basically been left out of this movie. Which it's,
1: it's a really strange choice. Yeah,
0: she's got a great part. She's got a great sequence where she's you know working in this the transporter room, and she's got this young you know lieutenant who's craving action and. Is yeah. all like you know? Wow, your well, your career is winding down. I know why like, you want this. <laughs> war, right? This
1: is a fun interaction. Actually, she's really good in this. Yeah, she's really good in her very brief role. But this is a great interaction, and she does it well. The both of them really. I, I don't know. In fact, I might have picked him as my whistle winner because this guy, um, the the guy that she's having this like one on one with is, is really good as well. This is a fun. This is a good scene. Yeah, I see. I've seen him credited as
0: Mister Adventure.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it she does
0: all of that, but I, I like it. it's, it's a good it, all of it plays off really well. I, I love that scene. It is a great scene, but it is, does seem to be a shame she doesn't get to participate more in the actual movie. Right yeah. So they take off you know Scotty has somehow rewired the ship so that Kirk and McCoy could do it alone. And at first, you know, it does seem like, well, could two people pilot the Enterprise? Of course they couldn't. Right. You know, and, and that becomes evident as the movie goes on. Even Scotty's like, you know, I didn't expect to be bringing the ship into combat. I just expected you to need to fly her to the Genesis planet, pick up Spock, and then fly to Vulcan. You know, I didn't prepare it for all these, you know, all these necessities, which is why a crew cruise the Enterprise and not just, you know, it's not a, it's not a single, you know, pilot, you know, he automated as many of the systems as he could.
1: Right. Like, because you could presume like in the case of any sort of emergency where there's one or few available crew left on the ship, the ship is otherwise designed to get to where it needs to be, you know, much like a, a jet now can, can, you know, autopilot, but it's quite a bit different to like, you know, man, battle stations against a bird of prey.
0: Man, battle stations—you know, operate the engines to operate their the shields and the race. weapons systems. Yes, and, yeah, exactly. Which we again we find out when the the Enterprise ends up in a confrontation with the Klingon bird of prey. Yeah, they're they're not prepared for it, and this is where—and shockingly, it was even in the trailers that this was going to be. The final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. They show the enterprise being destroyed. And do they do that
1: do they show it in the trailer? Oh wow.
0: That's in the trailer and it is like join us for the final voyage of the Starship Enterprise. and that's said over the ship, you know, Burning up, up and sh- burning up and streaking that's into a, the atmosphere.
1: That's a really good scene that I wish I could have seen, like on the big screen in the theater. Like I, I'll say, if nothing else, whatever your feelings are about this movie, again, in in my quasi Star Trek fan, fake Star Trek fan opinion, I I thought the um the end of the Enterprise was a pretty cool end.
0: I remember. I thought it was a the,
1: nice dramatic ending.
0: The theater being almost like a stunned silence yeah. as it was happening.
1: Um, I thought because it was a good what, ending. Like it wasn't just like pop. It's done. It did, you know. I thought they really did justice to
0: it. I mean, the, enter- the Enterprise is a character. It is Absolutely. a loved ship. It is a science fiction icon. And you know, in the previous movie, they killed off Spock, but they're bringing right. Spock back. You well, can't you really bring back the Enterprise.
1: No, you can't because theoretically, the Enterprise is the one thing that you could have theoretically justified a way to have go on forever and ever and ever. Like, as actors are going to die, actors are going to quit, but you could, the ship is just an idea. You can have that go on forever. And they killed it. That's a pretty bold move.
0: Yes, but as it turns out, they're going to be boarded by the Klingons. Well, I, we, again, we skipped over like the whole hostage situation and the death of Kirk's son being murdered by the Klingons because the Klingons want the secret to Genesis. Yeah. And there's this, you know, Shatner's reaction as Kirk to the death of his son, where he just collapses to the floor, you know, and I guess even the actors and the crew themselves don't really know whether Shatner purposely intended to, like you know it looks like he's about to sit down in the captain's chair but he misses it and, and and lands on the floor he's in such shock I don't know whether that was a choice but that that Shatner made or whether he legitimately missed the chair and it worked so they kept it in
1: it's it's effective yeah whatever the choice was um it it's it works it's it's an effective scene because like it's hard, especially for for again for me. Like, uh, but then again, I don't think um, Doc, uh, Marcus wasn't in the show. He was really only in what two and three, right? He was never referenced or mentioned otherwise, correct? Right. His son, his son. So yeah, like so. There's not. It's it's hard to have only so much connected to the character, right? But you can certainly feel in that scene how much Kirk did. Like I know you're supposed to because it's his kid and all that. But uh, no, again, I thought I thought Kirk pulled that off, or uh, Shatner rather pulled that off really well in that very brief uh, moment. Uh, you you could feel you could feel what he felt in that brief moment. I thought,
0: and especially since Kirk knew he had a son all those years, right? He obeyed what his mother, the the the, the Carol Marcus had requested, which is to stay, stay away. Yeah. Stay away from my son. I don't want him to be like you, right? So when he finally got to meet his son and got to have some time with his son, and, and find out like, his son is
1: very much like him,
0: <laughs> and then to find and then have his son taken away, yeah, yeah. That's gonna. That's gonna. That's gonna be a painful, painful thing. Yeah,
1: and I think just that one brief moment, as you point out, with the you know where he kind of like collapses there. I thought that was expertly done, you know, accident or otherwise. And we also
0: failed to point out that you know, despite Savick the character returning,
1: yes, different char- different actor.
0: She's being played by Robin Curtis now. Kirstie Alley did not return. Uh, whether that is because she feared typecasting or wanted too much money. I've heard multiple reasons why, and never seen anything concrete, but... And uh, rest in peace, obviously, Kirstie Alley. Yeah. Robin Curtis. And and Robin Curtis plays Savick much more Vulcan than Kirstie Alley did. Kirstie Alley gave Savick some sass and a little bit of, you know, emotion whereas Savick plays as Curtis plays Savick very like when she tells she tells Kirk that David is dead it's literally a statement David is dead
1: right she's much more of an analog to Spock than um,
0: Kirstie Alley's portrayal was which is again why like after this movie we she's very briefly in the voyage home very briefly you know, the character, like, you know, and, you know, I'm going to get into it now. Two of my problems with this movie is, well, one I said before is it doesn't feel like it stands well on its own. And the way it just throws away the character of David Marcus. Right. He, I don't want to say throw away because he does have it, you know, he he dies trying to save Savage. You know he dies bravely. He takes, goes tries to go one on one with the Klingon, and it goes about as well as you'd expect. Right, he's a scientist, exactly. But it's such an interesting concept for have Kirk to have had a son that we only just realized, and now he's you know our, he's just kind of eliminated. It just seems like a, a waste. You know, I almost really again, and this is armchair um, quarterbacking Monday. Oh, I, You know, well past the time, but it would have been interesting if maybe if they had been like one or two movies before they established this and brought Spock back. Maybe we could have gotten more Savick, and maybe we could have gotten more Dave and Marcus. I know people wanted Spock back. I would have wanted. I wanted Spock back. You want him back right away we got him back right away, and now we almost, it's like, now we've learned, like, well, maybe we should have had, like, a, a little bit of without Spock. Because it would have made his Spock's death seem a bit more, you know, impactful. Well,
1: plus, I think they could have done more with the return, whereas this just seems more, I don't know if Rushed is the right word, but it's the best I can come up with. Um, it seems like they're just kind of like oh yeah genesis planet he'll come back and that's it and that's almost how they treat his return because most of the time you just see him like aging and then you see him again he's slightly older you see him again he's slightly older and then at the end a bunch of Vulcans close their eyes and hey spock um so like i think you're right i think maybe if they had planned things out a little bit more deliberately um, we might have gotten we might have gotten more for our uh, we might have got more out of it. We would have got more out of Savick and um, Marcus, uh, and if they inevitably kill him, you know, later on, then yeah, that even has yet more weight. But also, maybe we get a better return, a more grandiose uh, return of Spock. Yes, yes. Maybe take a little longer for the Genesis to kick in. Not have it. You
0: know, and if again, it takes like a no, month, love that. you know. Well, again, this has probably been at least a month since. That's true. That's true. Yeah, the time has passed, but we didn't really get to experience. I mean, we had two years between the movies, but the way the movies play out, as you again, and it's as you watch them. You know, you watch them now. You can watch two, three immediately after two. You know, back. You know, when we originally saw it, we had to wait two years between Star Trek Two and Three. Which is also why we figured people wouldn't mind waiting two weeks for us to hear us talk about it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, um, well, at least for those who weren't, who who didn't know if uh, Spock would come back,
0: right, right. Because again, it wasn't fully intended for Wrath of Khan to be the definitive death of Spock, gone, finished, never to return. So. All of that leads to the Klingons boarding to capture the Enterprise and Kirk deciding that the only thing to do to buy them time is to set the ship to self-destruct, escape to the planet, and, you know, as Kirk always does, figure out another way to win.
1: I mean, it's a clever, he pulls
0: off a pretty clever scheme. And as we said, the destruction of the Enterprise is very dramatic. I mean, first you just kind of see the top of the saucer section explode. Right. And then you see, like, you know, the half-destroyed ship just, you know, in flames, entering the atmosphere of the Genesis planet. The crew of the Enterprise, planet-side, looking up into the sky and seeing it streak across the sky the sky and it's like it's just this moment of silence as you know another beloved character is taken away from us and even kirk is like my god what have i done you know i've destroyed you know the, the enterprise was the biggest part of my life and i've just destroyed it and mccoy points it out you've 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 done what you always done. you've taken death you've used death as another chance for life
1: Right, and, and well, and you can also see in Kirk like he's starting to feel whether he is or isn't. Either way, he feels the responsibility probably as a commander uh, for Spock, for his son to an extent, McCoy, uh, for his crew who he might have just all got killed, and the now the Enterprise itself. So he's he's not having a great streak right now, and you could you could see it weighing on him. Um, I, I, I think um, Shatner does a good job of doing
0: all that in this. Of, of conveying a lot of that in this. I think it might have been a slight bit of missed opportunity to not get more of a reaction out of Mr. Scott as well, because I think oh, if especially yeah, loved the Enterprise more than Kirk, it was Scotty.
1: I mean, yeah, like he put so much of his specific life... I mean, I guess they all did, right?
0: But yeah, no, I, I could see that. So we get the confrontation on the planet between, you know, Kirk and Krug. Um and I, I also like to point out that, you know, while you can hear definitely hear Christopher Lloyd's voice underneath, you know, all that, you know, you, you can tell it's Christopher Lloyd by his voice, but you can't tell for any other reason.
1: You know, well no, no, he's not playing thing. Dr. Brown or Jimmy No, he's, right. he's 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 he's
0: actually quite terrifying and, and plays an excellent Klingon. But what I do like is that back in an episode of Taxi with uh, Martin Short as a guest star, Kirk, uh, Reverend Jim ends up working for TV to try to help them build their schedule and decide which shows should be brought to series and, you know, help program the network. And during the episode, Jim mentions like, well, I don't really watch TV much anymore. I haven't watched since they canceled Star Trek. And Martin Short's character is like, you oh, know, if you do this for me, you know, you know, Jim, if you'd had this job, you know, back in the 60s, you could have saved Star Trek. And that's what uh, gets Jim into, to like, all right, I'll do it. So it's just kind of an interesting little connection between the uh, two characters he's played. Another connection people like to point out is that... Uh, they use the Klingon bird of prey to go back in time in the next movie, so that Christopher Lloyd has played two characters who've had time machines stolen right. from them. That's right. I never
1: answer, you know, until you just mentioned it, I, I didn't put that part. I didn't put that one together. But yes, absolutely. And but- actually, it just occurred to me to add to to add to the weight on Kurt's, uh, really everyone's mind, I suppose, especially right now, is. um I completely forgot. Like Scotty's son is dead, uh, plus all the crew members that would have died
0: throughout the battle with Con. Uh Well, it was Scotty's nephew. Scotty's nephew. I'm sorry, but that again, that's not in the finished script either. So it's one of those things, you know. Fans oh, that's right. No, but that's right. I forgot that they, they didn't actually establish that. That's right. Um, so the confrontation, and that's again, you know, they threw out, you know the Genesis planet destroys itself. So here was another interesting thing that could have been around for a few movies that they, you know, again, kind of do away with right away. And they, they talk about how, you know, David used uh, the unstable proto-matter to help complete the the project. And, you know, at one point, Sapphic is like, Well, what about all the, you know, it was wasn't it irresponsible for you to use proto matter? What about like all the the death and such and such? It's like, well, basically, he unkilled Spock by doing his proto matter. Right. I mean, the Genesis Project was, you know, I don't think anybody died specifically because of David's use of proto matter. They died because of the Genesis Project. The crew of the Grissom were killed. The crew of Regular One were killed. You know, all this stuff happened. You know, first Khan and now Kurg, you know, they want to use Genesis as a weapon. That would have happened whether Genesis was successful and, and Marcus used proto matter or not. So I, I thought that was a little unfair as well. So they get on, they, they end up having to take control of the Klingon bird of prey the Klingon played by John Larroquette is the only one left alive you know most of the crew was killed in the destruction of the Enterprise Kirk uh, kills one on the planet side along with along with Kirk and it seems as though Spock killed one in a rage you know of, of the Genesis wave affecting his body and they take the John Larriquette captive. Of course, we never really find out what happens to him either. You know, Kirk promises to kill him. He later does <laughs> not. And I, I, that was actually a crueler fate to the Klingon. The Klingon oh, for sure. much... More, he was like, you promised you would kill me. For sure. And, and Kirk <laughs> is like, I lied. And it's like, I know you think you're being merciful to him, Kirk, but you're actually making him live a life of dishonor, which he does not want. I suppose. I wonder what what Starfleet protocol for that would be. I'm sure Starfleet protocol is you take prisoners. You I'm take sure. Prisoners, yeah. You know, Kirk is doing what's right for him, but maybe not what's right for the Klingons. I'm sure that once they get to the Vulcan, Vulcan the Klingons, the the, the Vulcans you know, take possession of the prisoner. Right. I
1: was gonna say I, I assume he's either a prisoner on Vulcan, uh, unless he's still on the ship when they go
0: back in time. Well, I'm sure he was taken prisoner on Vulcan, but even then it's like he can't be exchanged back to the Klingon. He would be right. going back in shame. Right. It would be a horrible fate for him. Right. He would be he would be killed there. And even worse. I mean I think the darkest thing to think is it may he may have committed suicide, but I don't think the Klingons believe in suicide either. I think they believe in death by combat. So maybe he picked a v- fight with a Vulcan and forced the Vulcans to kill him. I don't know. It's, it's one of those questions that will probably remain unanswered. So they get to Vulcan and they decide to do this ancient rite that at this point they only think it may have even been a legend, but to return Sparks Katra. Right to his rejuvenated body and uh Dame Judith Anderson plays the, the Vulcan High Priestess and they decide that they're going to go forward with the ceremony. She warns McCoy that it's just as dangerous for you as it is for Spock and I'm like, Spock's already been dead. How dangerous right. can this be for him? But, how, right, how dangerous could it possibly
1: be for Spock? <laughs> Maybe again. he would just lose the consciousness forever, but it's like, what are you going to do? Either do it or not.
0: <laughs> well, it almost seems like the belief is that his, once his conscience goes, it joins with all the consciousness of the Vulcans who have died throughout history. Oh, okay. So, you know, they, they ask McCoy if he's willing to do it. And he says, I choose the danger. And another great line is like, hell of a time to ask. Right. And so, you know, they go off and they perform the ceremony, and of course it works, even though at first we get, you know, Spock is obviously very confused. He doesn't have much of his memories left. You know, he's like, you know, he walks by everybody, doesn't seem to really recognize him. He says, like, my my father tells me we were friends, and one of the final lines of the movie is Jim. Your name is Jim. And that leads to, again, it's still kind of very ambiguous of what's going to happen with Spock. Spock is back to life, but he's not back to normal. Right. He's not technically Spock yet. So, yeah, we don't really know. And I'm sure at the time they didn't really know. And I don't even know if they had planned on going any further with the franchise, especially after, you know, deciding to destroy the Enterprise. Although the final thing you see on screen before the credits roll is – and the adventure continues right
1: right that's that's yeah like i was assuming there was going to be another one but this would still be years before next generation so it's still up in the air as to what would be happening to the franchise in general
0: yes but you know as we know they would go on to star trek for the voyage home sure the most successful of the original cast movies
1: yeah, I, I remember that being like a phenomenon when it came out and um, people from you know whether they're Star Trek fans or not were were getting into it and enjoying it cuz it's just yeah. such a well-done movie. It's just as well-done, fun as hell, charming movie. Which we won't be doing next week. Spoilers. <laughs> we might do it later on, but we won't we won't make, we'll make mm-hmm. we won't make you go through another one.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we'll probably get around to it, but we really cuz again, I, if ever, ever I watched Rapticon I'm always watching Search for Spock immediately. Sure, after.
1: sure, sure. It's like V and V, the final battle. You, you kind of have to.
0: Yeah, but that also requires a lot more time to put aside. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, so I mean, again, highly recommend this movie. I mean, and you know, we you don't have to sell anything Star Trek to Star Trek fans.
1: Sure. No, I mean, this would be like again. It to me, it would be for like. Um, folks who haven't watched much Star Trek yet or, or, or at all maybe they've only kind of passively heard passively heard the movies or maybe they've avoided this movie because it's one of the evil you know odd numbers. I, I, I say it's better than I, I say it's better than that reputation. It's certainly not a perfect movie but I, I think it it deserves better than just being lumped in with the other um, odd number movies certainly deserves better
0: than being lumped in with part five. Oh definitely Definitely. It's, this is a well-made film. And, yeah, you know, while this was M- Nimoy's feature debut, he had directed for some television. I know that much. Did he direct any ep- episodes of the show? Did any no. of the crew did? no? Back no, then? but I do know he directed uh, an episode of T.J. Hooker. Oh, neat. which you know was um, Shatner, yeah. what Shatner was doing around this time of these movies as well. It's hard to it's hard for me to remember that he, that T.J. Hooker ran concurrent with Rastacan and um, Rathacon, Search for Spock, and I believe it was still on the air when um, Voyage Home hit theaters as well.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize T.J. Hooker ran that ran that late into the
0: eighties. I'm not a hundred percent sure it did, but I think it did. Gotcha. All right, so again, just like last time, just like last time, we had a little bit of trouble, like coming up with um, recommendations. I mean, it's
1: yeah, like it's it's hard to recommend anything related to Star Trek without just relating more Star more Trek, Star Trek, you know, uh, or just science fiction in general,
0: you know. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and actually just go out and, uh, and recommend the. DC Comics that uh, the the Star Trek comics DC Comics did at this time, because they were more tied into this this time period. Yes, yeah. Tell that story that you
1: were telling me. Like there was um at least as far as the DC Comics universe goes, there was what two years worth of comics in between Wrath of Khan, and and um the the events of this movie. No, no.
0: Between um this movie and uh Voyage Home. Oh right, I'm sorry. Which, so. DC kind of picked up the the rights to just before, just as uh, Star Trek Three being announced, and the first eight issues lead up to the search for Spock. So it's it's the Enterprise crew on the Enterprise. Spock is not there. Savick is filling in for Spock, and you know it leads up into. Search for Spock, and then Search for Spock, the issue nine is the first issue that comes out after Search for Spock, or the first story. So that issue begins with Spock in bed, recovering, being visited by McCoy and Kirk, and they're going to head home to deal with the consequences of the fallout of them, stealing the Enterprise. When they run into an invasion from the Mirror Universe, the evil doppelgangers of you know, the Enterprise crew. There's this, you know, huge saga that goes on for a couple of issues. Spock actually mind melds with the alternate universe, Spock, and that unlocks his memory, so Spock is back to normal. The Enterprise crew saves the universe from the invasion from the mirror universe, and this leads to all being forgiven. Kirk is put in charge of the Excelsior, And Spock is put in charge of a science vessel called the Surrock, which looks exactly like it's the the same class of ship as the Grissom is in search for Spock. Because, again, I don't think they knew whether Nimoy would be rejoining the franchise on a permanent basis, and they probably didn't want to have Spock on the Excelsior if they were going to have to write him out later. Well... After two years of adventuring around on the Excelsior, they the, the people writing the Star Trek comics find out, oh no, the movie, the, the Star Trek IV is taking place almost immediately after the events of, of Search for Spock. And they have to... Nowadays, they would have just ended the, the current storyline and rebooted it and, and ignored everything that went before. But instead, they would have just started over, right? Right. Instead, in three issues, writer Wen Ween is able to bring everything around by introducing a doomsday virus that affects Spock and his crew of the the Suric makes Kirk you know once again have to steal uh, steal the Excelsior despite him being in command of it. But break quarantines and they have, he writes this whole story that brings it back so that they're once again on Vulcan. Spock is once again recovering from a death-like state and has lost all his memory and personality. and the bridge crew of the enterprise are once again on Vulcan in the Klingon Bird of Prey, ready to go back to Starfleet and face Court Martial. That's impressive. And I will be posting those comics to our Twitter account for those interested in in searching for them.
1: That's, That's impressive to pull that off. Uh, cause you can, you can be allowed to get somewhat convoluted with Star Trek, right. And, and, and play with things and, and alternate timelines and stuff are all in there, but you know, you don't want to get too comfortable with all that. So that's, that's pretty impressive to pull all that off. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you remember how it was received in general by like the comic uh, community, but like the, the, the comic fan community to they feel like, oh yeah, okay. He pulled it off. Or was it just like, well, it is what it
0: is. I don't, because especially back then I wasn't much for reading the letters pages. Gotcha. Um. I suppose I could, you know, if I ever come across some of those other issues that were featured, the letters from those uh, about those issues, I could, I could find it. But I'm not even sure which. Uh, I'd have to do some research before I could do that. Gotcha. Um, so that's our recommendations as, as far as we can go. Yeah, right. and anything we would have come up with, we came yeah. up with for wrath the Khan.
1: Exactly, exactly. That really wouldn't be any different.
0: But since we did decide that for season three, we're going to introduce a new segment to the podcast, more random recommendations, where we're just going to pick something at random, maybe something we've seen recently, or particularly maybe something we've seen recently, and recommend that. Okay. So did you come up with one?
1: I mean, uh, just just for just for random stuff. I just mean, uh, com-
0: completely random.
1: Do, do TV shows count? TV shows are fine. OK, so I'm going to bring it up. Um, I've been watching uh, mostly on Amazon uh, via freebie. I've been getting into um, the the old TV show soap opera Dark Shadows. Um, Which is something that like I'd I'd always heard about growing up kind of like, you know, uh, and um, I was like aware of it, but I never thought I would get around to watching it because so many episodes or whatever. Uh, I don't know exactly why maybe it was too old. I just never was going to get around to it. Um, Also, for the longest time, it was really hard to because like. The only way to have watched it would be to somehow own every cassette, and it's like twelve hundred something episodes, and VHS only holds so much, so it was it was just a huge undertaking. So I never thought too much about it, until a buddy of mine had got into it and started watching it, and he just started telling me all of these crazy storylines in it, and I'm like, wow, there's like a '60s daytime soap that does all this stuff. I need to check this out for myself, and here I am, about four hundred episodes in, and I'm just I'm just loving it um it's a hell of a lot of fun if you're a fan of like um gothic horror um buffy the vampire slayer uh angel you know x-files stuff like that sort of like but but it, but with a bit more of a gothic bent to it um then i i think you'd i think you'd really enjoy the show um now granted it's a big ass because it's a long show it was like a five year long it was on every day it, it was a soap opera and the beginning part of the show, you know, the early episodes of the show was a pretty straightforward soap opera. So maybe that's not really what you into, and you just wanted to get into the creepy stuff. Um, you could do that. You'd probably be fine. But I, I really enjoyed the evolution of the show from going from a more or less straightforward like soap uh, with your more or less straightforward storylines of like intrigue. Um, into where it's at now where like it's there's been t- trying travels uh, vampires um, a phoenix uh, it's just been it's been a blast um, to watch um,
0: so I'm going to start with that one all right I'm going to recommend an action movie from 2017 called security it stars Antonio Banderas And it's a really solid action movie that's kind of a throwback to the 80s action movies. It's particularly the type of action movie canon films would make. Okay. He plays a former Special Forces soldier, which is, you know, pretty standard for action movies. He's desperate for work, so he gets a job as a security guard at this mall in you know it's a it's an upscale mall but apparently there's a it borders a neighborhood where there's a lot of crime so you know they have about five security guards on site overnight to prevent any break-ins smash and grab stuff like that got it well while this is happening there's this 11-year-old girl who is the only witness to a you know cartel related murder okay i see where this is going and she's being escorted to federal court by US marshals who are ambushed by the mercenaries being hired by the gang to take this girl out. Uh-huh. The girl escapes to the mall, uh-huh. And of course now this means like you know uh, Ben Kingsley, who plays the leader of the you know army of assassins is like, just turn the girl over to us and pretend like this never happened. And of course he refuses to do that. The, the, so, cholo, the cholo, if you will, yes.
1: Okay,
0: so it's kind of much like Die Hard, yeah. And what's really interesting is at the beginning of this confrontation, these security guards are only armed with tasers and they're up against, you know, oh,
1: right, like assassins, yeah,
0: assassins with snipers, like Jean Renault. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, it's nothing. It's not going to blow you out of the water, but it is going to entertain you. It is very well done. And apparently it's one of the the DVDs that if you have a dollar store near you, you may be able to pick this up on DVD for a dollar. And it's well right worth on. that dollar.
1: Right on. Um, speaking of well worth a dollar, like we picked up that um, Delph Lundgren four pack and uh, we just watched uh, a couple of ones off of it. That, Brig-
0: that Bridge of Dragons was a lot of fun. Yeah, Bridge of Dragons, but mm-hmm. maybe you want to save that for another uh, random
1: recommendation.
0: Oh, yeah. Right on. All right. So I guess that uh, just leaves me to do-, do the uh, Magnificent Seven Degrees. This is an e- easy one because Dame Judith Anderson was also in Ten Commandments with Yule Brenner. So. Right on. Right.
1: That couldn't have been easier. In fact, actually, I do have one more suggestion. Um, uh, um, uh, If you can get the, um, if you can find it, I don't know if it's on anything. Um, You obviously bought the DVDs for it. But um, uh, Leonard Nimoy in search of, if you can find the classic series that ran from, what was it, like 77 to 82, 76 to 82, something like that.
0: Yeah, there were
1: six seasons. It's good, quirky '70s fun. In um, Search of was like a quasi-documentary that dealt largely with, um, at the time, you know, un- a lot of different unexplained phenomena, whether it be um, uh, Bigfoot or uh, like the Yoga Pogo Monster, or Loch Ness Monster. Um, like the first episode is whether or not plants can like talk and communicate, stuff like that. It's 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 really fun.
0: Yeah, it's stuff that, you know, you still find shows like it you know, on History Channel. And, for
1: sure. Like, it's, like, Ancient Aliens is pretty much a, what this is a lot like. But uh
0: In Search Of took itself
1: more seriously. For yeah. sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it was hosted by Leonard Nimoy for, for, for all those seasons.
1: It was every so season, right?
0: It, it, it really does kind of, t- t- because Leonard Nimoy hosted In Search Of and he yes. directed search for Spock. That's right. So there could have been an episode of, if it was still on the air at the time, you know, in search of Spock. <laughs> yes. Absolutely.
1: But yeah, it just, it just occurred to me because, um, yeah, we, we, you know, you have the, um, where did you get that? Like off uh, Amazon or something? I imagine like yeah. anyone,
0: do you know who makes that? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, I found it on Amazon. It was, very inexpensive. I mean, it's not really, the show has not been remastered by. Any yeah. No. Imagination.
1: Yeah. I mean, it looked okay, but it's just DVD, right? It's just someone grabbed the, 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 um, every episode and threw them on DVD, but it looks good. It looks good enough. And it's good. seven. like, maybe you don't watch every single episode, but it's good. Kind of quirky fun. It's sort of like watching, it's sort of like watching an old film strip from, um, well, I guess it depends on how old you are, but to me, it brings me back to the old, like film script, film strip kind of days uh of school when you were kind of watching something you know um like that the retro scientific kind of stuff where like i can't really think of a good example but some of the stuff that you know for a fact like we've already discovered by now but back then was like i don't know maybe you know stuff like that so you get a little bit of stuff like that it's it's kind of fun little nostalgia break
0: uh visual entertainment inc is what put it up through um on dvd Uh, It's 144 episodes all in in the set. Yeah, 20
1: minutes a piece so you can binge them easy.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fun show to have on. All right, anything else? No, that's all. All right, well, with that, we'll wrap up our season three opener. And as always, I want to thank everybody for listening. Our audience has expanded over the past year, and hopefully it expands even more with this season. I thank everybody who's given us a listen and continues to listen. And as a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMattSoroyce, all one word, M-O-V-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-I-R-O-I-S. You can find us on Instagram under the same handle. I don't post on Instagram as much as I like. I, I, I plan to pick that up, but as I said, Twitter. And you can... Uh, see more of my movie reviews on Facebook at the Movie Asylum of the Weird, Bad, and Wonderful. You will find me there under the name Marcus Tarois. Long story, same guy, Marcus and Matt. Don't worry about it. (laughs)
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you again, everyone. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your listens. Anyone who's downloaded even one episode. uh, Thank you so much. Um, That's really cool of you. And um, I'm glad you're enjoying this with us. Um, Continue to have a happy new year. And um, for those who will be celebrating the Chinese New Year very soon. um, Happy New Year. Yeah. So thank you for listening and stay gold, people.